Hey, good morning and welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being part of today. My name is Paul. I am one of the pastors here and it's uh, just a privilege to be here with you guys uh, this morning and uh, I hope you just enjoyed the worship, the time of singing and, uh, and you just grow, you grow in your faith. Hey, um, Pastor Lynn mentioned this is the last in our series uh, called This Is Us. We're starting a whole new series uh, next week um, leading up until Christmas. We are calling it Reason for the Season, um, or the real reason for the season, um, with all the craziness. By the way, the craziness starts when? Now. It starts now, okay? Halloween is over, and so now it's, you're getting nothing but catalogs in the mail, you know, of all this kind of stuff, and the Christmas decorations are already up all over the mall. Those kind of things. So it starts now, you know, the, the decorating, the planning, the thinking, the cooking, all that kind of stuff. So we want to just take time to focus on the real reason for the season, and the season of giving, uh, season of receiving, actually, and what all that takes. It's a great series for you to be able to invite your friends to, so we encourage you to invite people to come for the next the next few weeks. Also, I want to remind you that we do have over on um, that side of the room uh, a prayer room for you that if after the service you would like somebody to pray for you, you're going through something and you just simply want someone to take time to pray um, for your life and what's happening, that is there. We have great people that are there that will Listen and pray. Maybe you just don't even want to speak. Share what it is. Just have somebody pray for you, um, and they will do that. And so make your way over there at the end of the service if you would if you would like that. Take advantage of that, okay, if you would. Hey, let's start out uh, this morning with a little participation stuff, okay? This is one where everyone in here is going to be able to participate in this. Yeah, and, and, and it's a time when all of you introverts freak out. So um, I understand that. I, I, I get that. What I'm going to do, and as I did this a couple weeks ago, I'm going to put something on the board, on the screen, and, and, and I want you to figure out your answer to this and then share it with a person near you, okay? The question about you, about your life, and you're going to figure it out, and then we're going to take a second, and you're going to share it with people around you. Here it is, okay? Go ahead. Are you a dog person or a cat person? Okay, ready? One, two, three, go. Figure it out. Talk, talk. Okay, I am always amazed. It's a one-word answer. It's a one-word answer. Y'all spend time talking. I think because you know the longer you talk, the less I've got time to say. How many of you are cat people? Hands up. Cat people? Uh, yeah. How many of you are dog people? Yeah, there we go. All right. Any horse people here, by the way? Any horse people? Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah, good for you guys. We do have... Hey, do you have horse people? Okay, good. Now, that wasn't too bad, was it? No, you survived that one. Okay, okay. Um, here's the second one. I want you to think about this one. Go ahead. <clears throat> the purpose of my life is to. And you're thinking, what the heck did I step into on this one? Now, I'm not going to invite you to share that with anybody because that's a little bit harder, isn't it? To be able to say in a couple words or in a sentence or two, the purpose of my life is to, in fact, for a lot of us, the answer would be I have no what? No idea. I don't know. I'm here, and, and I'm here to be happy, I think, but not sure. When I was in high school, my uh, friends and I, our lunch place where we'd sit out front for breaks and lunch was in front of the school and right by the flagpole, and there was a street running by, and on the street there was a cinder block wall right across from the high school, 
and somebody had tagged it um, years past, and it stayed there my whole four years in, in high school. Um, it, was this, it was this slogan. It was this, live hard, drive fast, and what? Die young. You know, remember that? I think that's from an old James Dean movie. And for every day in high school, I'd go outside and I'd look across the street, and there I would see live hard, drive fast, die young. It was somebody's purpose of life. You know, this is what you do, and, and, and that's how you go through, through it. It was someone's view of their purpose uh, of life. But, you know, it's a legitimate question to, to raise, and it's a legitimate question to ask. And it's a, it's a good question to even ask yourself. Why did God put me here? I mean, why, why am I here? I mean, what's my, my purpose? There's, you know, got to be more to life than just simply growing up, getting old and retiring, and, 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 and that's it. Why did God put me here? Why did God put you on this coast, by the way? Why this place, you know? Why this area? Or in your particular seat in, in second period world history, why are you sitting right there? Or in your neighborhood, that street, that house, you know, why in that spot? Or with those soccer parents, you know? Why did God put you with, with those soccer parents or at your work group, at your job? And that's what we're going to take a few minutes to talk about, okay? So let's, let's pray. So, Lord, thank you for these moments now. And, God, as you have been with us in our worship and our praise, now be with us in our thoughts and in our hearts. And give me the right words to share, please, Jesus. Last year, we wanted to really understand what makes us as a church family tick, and, and, and so we put the team together, and, and they went about, and they, they did you know, a lot of study, a lot of thought about, put a lot of thought into this, and they interviewed over 200 people here at Mariner's Church, you know, group interviews and individual one-on-ones, and took a bunch of notes. 2,300 post-it notes came and were generated from this whole thing, and then they kind of sorted through them and looked at them and, and crunched the data and, and put everything together. And they came to some conclusions about Mariner's Church um, from you guys, from us. And, and the first thing they came to conclusion is you really like this place, you know, which is a good thing, I guess. You know, you're going someplace else. But you really like this place. And the second thing they came out with is, is you come for a variety of reasons. All are, all are, are really good. And, and the third is, and this is, obviously, this is obvious, is you have helped define who we are. You guys help define who we are as a church. And that's the way it really should be because, again, a, a church is made up of people. A church is not a building and it's not a service. It's not a service time. It's the people that make it up. And so you have made this church what it, what it is and everything that's great about it. And Pastor Len mentioned the culture book, you know, the This Is Us book. Make sure you grab one if you haven't already. And that's kind of what we've been talking about and, and – and what we have found over this study, and as we pull these kinds of things out, and this kind of shapes us, and it's going to shape our future, we found that we're a place of what we would just say real people. This is a very real place as far as real people. Because, and, and, and the definition of real people is because we're found righteous in Christ. We, you know, you and me, we're free to be open about our faults and our mistakes, our flaws, all that stuff, so that we can give hope to others that God can love them in spite of their faults. And mistakes. Does that make sense to you guys? You know, you guys are real. You guys are just open about your stuff. What have I got to lose? I mean, God knows absolutely everything about me, every single screwed up thing about my life. And he loves me and he loves me and says I'm okay in Christ. Therefore, I can be open about that to others because the most important person in the universe says it's okay 
so I can be real about that and give hope to other people that they can be real of that. That's what it means to be real people, and we want to be that. Second is real God, and you think, what does real, real God mean? It says God's part of our everyday lives, and we are experiencing God as he is personally involved in each one of us, changing us and giving us peace, strength, and purpose. God is, is real. This isn't a pretend thing we do. It isn't just simply a duty we come here. You don't come because it's a duty. You come here because you're saying, I want God to do work in my life in a real way, in a real fashion. And the third one, and, and that's today what we're going to talk about, is real calling, our calling in God. We know why God has placed us here, and we freely and purposefully live it out. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, the Bible says this interesting verse. It talks about David, who is the king, you know, David and Goliath and all that stuff. It says, after David had served God's purpose in his own generation... He died. Now, let's not focus so much on the died part. Let's focus on the earlier part on this one. David served God's purpose in his own generation, meaning God had a purpose for his life. Now, let's focus on the died part. God said, okay, you finished your purpose here. You fulfilled everything that I set out for you to do. Now, I'm going to take you home. And that should give us a little bit of a comfort that God will never take you home or never take anyone home one second before it's their time. Okay? You realize that? Not one second before it's your time to go. Will God do that? God's sovereign and God's in charge of everything, and you will not die one moment before it's your perfect time in God's perfect timing for that. And so that can give you comfort and a chance to relax. And so the big question is, and don't worry, I'm not going to have you share this. When you pass away, when you're gone, what do you want people saying about you? What do you want people to say about you? You know, when you're gone. What do you want your, your, your people around you to say about you? Now, I know exactly what I want people to say about me, okay, when I'm gone. This is what I want people to say about me. He looks pretty good for a guy who lived to be 135. <laughs> That's what I want people to say <laughs> about me. There you go. But you, it's about us and me and you and all of us. What's our calling? What is your call? What's our calling? Why are we here? You know, why are we all around and God would not leave us hanging on this. He's not going to say, oh, yeah, for, by the way, for the most important question in the world, I'm, I'm going to let you guess at it and hope you make it right. In the Bible, 2 Corinthians is a, is a, is a Bible book that is often overlooked. We just, it just doesn't kind of stand out to us and pop out to us. For uh, um, 1 Corinthians, it's kind of like its sister book in the Bible. It has the love chapter, and we always look at that one and... and, and on the other side, Galatians has a lot of cool stuff. Second Corinthians is just kind of there, but it's one of my favorite <laughs> books to read, particularly when I need to kind of reaffirm why I'm here, the whole purpose of life. And chapters 4 through 6 are really cool, and go home and read them for yourself, the whole thing in context. And if you don't have a Bible, we give them away, so there, there's no reason. Go back and take a Bible, take a Bible and give it to somebody else too. But this is what it says in chapter 5. It says, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See how cool that is? I mean, there it is. The whole message of God, of what he's done through Christ, is right there, you know, kind of squeezed and pushed together in a little bit of a package, right, right there. And then it says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. There it is. All chance of brand new. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. I can begin again. That means no matter how crappy your old life was, you can begin again. How many screw-ups you've done, how bad 
you've made a mess out of it, you can begin again through Christ. It can happen. And when you jam those together is God made Jesus to be sin, to take all my sin on him, all my stupidity and dumbness and all that, so that I can have no sin and become a totally new person. You can begin again. Now it's going to go on from that incredible message. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what the word reconcile means? It means to push together, pull together, bring through things together to reconcile. And it says God reconciled us to himself through Christ, pushed us together, moved us together, and now gave us this ministry or this role of reconciliation. Now, he gave who this ministry of reconciliation? Who? Us. Us. Me, 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 and you. Verse 19, he's going to say it again. You know, it's like he, he, he'll repeat it. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And there it is. We, we, we have this message. God has committed it to me, to you. I mean, we've got this thing, be able to reconcile people to the living, eternal God, no matter how bad they are. Now, a good question we ask is, that's pretty big stuff, you know? I mean, <laughs> who am I to do anything like that? I mean, I got my own flaws and mistakes and baggage in the, in the past and problems. I mean, I mean, this is a big deal, and, and what am I? Well, the Bible anticipates that. It says this. But we have this treasure in common jars of clay. Now, of course, the, the, the jars of clay he's referring to is, is us. And the common jars of clay he's talking about are the kind of the cheapest pieces of pottery that you could buy to put in, you know, put your plants in and from the from the hardware store. Jar of clay is you and me. And like any jar of clay, it's not on the outside that matters. It's always what's what? On the inside that matters. And he's saying we have a treasure in us, jars of clay. we got this incredible, incredible treasure. I, I brought here a, <coughs> um, <coughs> a bag. It was my lunch bag from Thursday. I bring my lunch to the office and, and eat it sometimes at my at my desk. And, and I decided I'm going to save I'm going to save the bag. And it is like every other lunch bag that you've ever used or ever had to pack. It's brown, and you can buy about 200 of them for about 3 bucks. You know, it's not worth a whole lot. And, and when you're done with it, you do what with it? You toss it. You throw it away. Or if you're in the Bay Area, you recycle it. Okay, that's what you do. That's what you do. Right. Now, the lunch sack itself isn't worth it very much. Penny, maybe, you know, a couple cents. Um, it's what? It's what's inside that counts, okay? In fact, to be dramatic about it, it's what's inside that's going to keep me al alive, at least for the rest of the day, you know? It's not the bag itself. It's anything. It's always what's in, inside it. And this, what he's saying is, look, you have the eternal in a paper sack. It's not the sack that's important. It's what's in the inside. And so whenever I say I am not worthy of any of this stuff, who, can I, who am I to talk about God to anybody? He's saying, yep, we get it. You're just a paper sack. But the sack contains the 
eternal. The bag has the forever that can help people become reconciled to God. And so this is what he says we are, us, you know, old bags, <laughs> us old bags that we are. He says this. Now, listen, this is who we are. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors. Now, an ambassador, we sometimes think, oh, that's those people that drive around New York City in, you know, big, long black cars with little flags on them. That's not what an ambassador is back in those days. An ambassador is somebody, in its essence, who comes from one place and goes to another place and works out good, good relationships between the two countries. And what he's saying is we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, new people that we are, sent by God now into this place, into this world, to help people be reconciled. It says we're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. I mean, I, I am Christ's ambassador. I am Christ's ambassador. That's who, who you are. This is who you represent. And you may say, I'm, I'm like this clay, fragile jar. And, and the Bible says, yes, you are. But in this jar or in this bag is a message of life. You, 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 all of us. So God pulled all this together to bring you here on this coast and for us to be here in this place at this time. Why? Because we're just a bunch of old lunch sacks sharing the most incredible news that people can be made right with God. So what's your purpose in life? What is it? What's your purpose in life? It's to represent Jesus and share him to your world. It's to represent Jesus and share him to your world. That's your purpose. That's it. It's right there. And God, who put the stars in the exact place, I mean, he did. He said, that one's going to go there, and that one's going to go there, and that one has to go there for all kinds of orbiting situations for that galaxy, and that one's going to go there, and that universe is going to go there, and that, and that, that galaxy's going to go there. Guess what? He put you in your particular seat in second period world history. God, who put that star in place, said, I'm going to put you in that exact spot in world history. Why? Because that person on your left and that person on your right and the one sitting behind you and the one sitting in front of you need an ambassador for Christ to share God's love. You may think you picked your house. You may think, man, you snuck in and nailed that thing and got it and what a great deal you got and wonderful for your realtor. Your realtor had very little to do with that. You know that? God had everything to do with it because God said, I need an ambassador right there Right now, in that spot. And the neighbor that moved across the street from you, they thought they got a good deal and they moved into a nice neighborhood and, and um, they didn't realize they didn't choose that place. They got placed them there to be right across the street to an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You see how this is all working out? You see how it is? And I might grumble on why my kid was put on that soccer team with those parents. Holy cow, why those parents? Well, guess what? God said, I need an ambassador for me to love people and show what it means to be a Christ follower on this soccer team. That's what I need. God made you good at basketball or swimming or running or video games. Why? Because there's a group of people that need to see Jesus Christ, and no one else can do it like you can. No one else can, and that's why you are here. 
There it is again. All this is the gift from God, a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us his task of reconciling people to him. And I want to have that sense of calling, that sense of I am here for Jesus Christ and his purpose for my life, and that is to reconcile people to God. After a few years of being in this place, um, at Half Moon Bay, I, I came here from South Florida, I, I was kind of struggling as we weren't really doing a whole lot for anybody, you know. Um, we really weren't. And I thought, you know, why are we here, you know? Why are we here? And I did a lot of door knocking and, and a lot of some, some a lot of research, demographic research and all that on this place. And, and I came to the conclusion pretty quickly that people on the coast side were, and these are the numbers, between 94 and 96 percent unchurched, coast side people. 94, 96% unchurched. Now, what that means is, as I defined unchurched, it means 95%, approximately 95% of all co-siders are not going to a place where they can hear about the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. They're not, they're not going to that place, 94, about 95%. Then I read this, you know, as I was doing some reading on, on missions, international missions. Brazil, the country of Brazil is 90% unchurched. The whole country of Brazil is 90% unchurched. And I thought, holy cow, the place I live is more unchurched than Brazil. And we spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars sending missionaries to Brazil. Nobody's sending missionaries where? Here to the coast side. You know, no one's sending missionaries here. And all of a sudden you come to the realization that guess what? We're the missionaries, the coast side. And I started thinking about this. I said, well, wait a second. If we were to go to Brazil, we'd have to learn what? Portuguese, right? There you go. We'd have to learn Portuguese. We'd have to go there. We'd have to learn Portuguese. And, 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 and we'd have to learn to dress like Brazilians. I think they dress the same, but anyway. We'd have to learn to dress like, and we have to figure out their music, and we have to figure out, particularly depending upon what region we go to, <coughs> their, their cultural needs and their situation and their challenges in life. So if we're going to start acting like missionaries to the coast side, um, we've got to start dressing like coastsiders, or at least I do, you know, and talking. There you go. Yeah, there you go. We have to speak language. You have to understand what the needs are here and ministering to them and the type of music they like and playing that. So they're not walking into a whole foreign place when they walk in here. And so we did, and, 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 and we changed because if we're not the missionaries um, to the coast side, well, then who can be? And I always want there to be a sense of urgency here. If we don't do this, if we don't reconcile people to God, it may not happen. It just may not happen. This is a true story. A long time ago, there was a, once a, a city in the valley, a city in, in the valley, and the city was pretty prosperous. It did well with trading and agriculture and a lot of industry stuff that was going on there. And, and, and it kind of sat in this really pretty valley, really nice little valley area. And, and what the city was known for, it was known for um, outside the city, it was kind of set in a valley, and, and up on a hillside, on one side of the valley, were these hot springs, you know, hot springs. You go, and, 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 and the hot springs were great, and they had all kinds of minerals, and people would go up there for their healing, and you know, all this kind of thing. They'd go there, and they'd sit and soak, have a nice soak, and they'd feel good and feel healed and all that kind of stuff, and nice, nice hot springs were there. And on the other side of the valley, <laughs> a couple miles down, was another spring, only this spring wasn't hot. This spring came out remarkably cold, cool cool, crystal clear water, and people would go there and they'd, they'd drink this water and say, yeah, the best water you know, we've ever had. And, and so, so maybe you take a, a, a day, a weekend, you'd hike up to this place and you'd, you'd feel like, man, I got healed from this and 
Another day you'd hike up to this one and you'd go up there and you'd just feel so refreshed from that. And the city, because it did so well, and the city government, you know, needing some kind of a work project so they could raise taxes, they said, why don't we do something about this? Why don't we be able to pipe the hot water into town so people can come here into town? They have to go all that way to walk out. And, and why don't we, we pop, pipe the cool water here into town so they have to walk all that way and, and, and go out so we could just kind of do it in the city center. So they started this big work project. And what they did is they began to build piping from the hot water source and the cold water source into town. And while those construction people are doing their thing there, they built in the middle of the city. What they did is they built some nice you know, baths and big open pools for the hot water to be able to pour in. And people then could, could you know, sit and soak and, and get healed. And, and then, then right next to it, they built some fountains for the cold water that would come in. So people could come and take their water and they'd get it refreshed. And big construction, they did it and all that kind of stuff. And began to build a couple miles of pipeline to get it there. Beautiful springs and beautiful bath and beautiful fountain. And the day came when they opened the pipes and they let the water flow and all the city kind of gathered there in the middle of town for it to came. And, and sure enough, here came, comes the hot water. It starts to pour and, and fill up. And sure enough, the cold water begins to come up and, and it began to bubble out. And um, they felt both that something was incredibly wrong. Through the travel time through the pipes, the hot water what? Cooled off. And through the travel time through the pipes, the cold water what? It warmed up. Um, so the hot water couldn't heal anybody, and the cold water couldn't refresh anybody. Um, it's a true story. Uh, it's the old city of Laodicea in Asia Minor. And, and there's a church there. And Jesus used what happened with that city as an illustration of what the church was and wasn't doing. And Jesus' words remind us of our calling and how that can be lost in the midst of other things. Jesus says this, write this letter to the church in Laodicea, I know all the things you do. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. Meaning you're not hot. You, you don't heal anybody as a church. You don't heal anybody. You're not cold. You don't refresh anybody. But since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. These words, by the way, um, challenged me in my life, in my walk with God, to realize, am I really doing anything for anybody? And that's why I want this place to always have an incredible sense of calling. That we are here for a purpose, and that purpose is huge. And the most important purpose in the universe, it's the purpose of life. So the Bible says this. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this ministry, what? We never give up. We never give up. He goes on. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. I don't think this story is true because I've heard other pastors tell it, and pastors have a tendency to make fake stories sound real. So let's just go with it as being a fake story, but it's a fun story anyway. There's a little town on the coast of New England, and there was like a treacherous place, you know, where, where um, rocks were there, and the tides came in in a kind of a weird way, and a lot of boats 
sailing around would crash, you know, and hit the rocks and all that. And, and people would flounder in the water and they'd drown. And, and a few brave guys said, this isn't right. We've got to get together and, and, and we need to save some lives. And so what they did is they just pulled their money all together and they um, um, bought a little boat. They bought a boat so that when the ships would crash, they could go out there and they could rescue people. And they pulled a little bit more money together. They said, oh, we've got to do something when we rescue these people. So they built a little shack, just kind of a little hut with a little kind of, you know, heater in there or fireplace in there so people could come in, they could get warmed off. And they put some, some old, to- old towels and blankets there in a little cot there, and they, and, they, and they called it the North Beach Life-Saving Station, okay? And just a little tiny place and a little tiny boat. And whenever they'd see a ship floundering, they'd get the boat and go out and, and do it. Um, and they save lives. They save lives. Well, the town heard about it, and they thought this is a really cool idea, and, and they wanted to help support it. And so people began to give towards this one, and, and that was good. They got new supplies and better life-saving gear and better blankets. And, and then the next year, there was a fundraiser for better equipment, better beds, you know, instead of old rickety cots, better beds and, and, and a bigger place to house the people. And they decided to put in a small, tiny little stove to help make hot food for the, for the people. The next year, the, the town decided to hold a, a, a bigger fundraiser, um, and they remodeled the life-saving station and made it bigger and punched out the walls and made it a proper construction. And um, the next year, they realized, boy, this place is really too small. Um, we should hold the fundraiser there. And so they got a lot of money from people and actually built a commercial kitchen and a dining hall. The beds were replaced now with little rooms, and the boat was replaced with something bigger, sleeker, nicer. And the next year, they decided to really go all out, and a banquet was held, um, and they raised a lot more money, enough to decide, you know what, this is a great location for a conference center. So they built a conference center in there, and the rooms, they began to rent them out because people wanted to stay by the beach. And they decided, you know... Um, such an ideal location. Let's put in some tennis courts here at the North Beach Life Saving Station. And they decided to actually sell memberships to the now North Beach Life Saving Club. And you could, for a certain fee each year, join it. And for your membership, you could actually take the boat out for a cruise. And you could stay now at the hotel that was being built and swim in the pool that was now there. And membership was now exclusive. And the boat was being taken out on fishing trips and cruises was rarely available for life-saving. In fact, if anybody was saved, the members of the club didn't really like these people now coming into the life-saving club because their feet were kind of sandy and they were kind of wet. And after all, we spent an awful lot of money on this place. You see where this is going? You understand where this is all going? Because what can happen a lot of times is we can be so involved in uh, the the accoutrements, the niceties of a building or of a place. We forget the whole purpose of what we're all about, who we are and why, why we're here. Now, the good part of the story is we ask the question, where were those original people whose goal it was to save lives? Well, guess what they did? They pulled some of their money together, bought a little boat, and they're now on South Beach saving lives. Because what can happen is church, and again, I understand giving, and I understand a building. I understand a building is only a tool. That's all it is. 
that's the only reason we have a building because we feel like it's a good tool to help reach more people for Christ. Otherwise, it's just nothing. It's just, it's just a building. We do not exist for our comfort. We don't exist for our convenience. And when I say we, we say I, and you could say that to yourself. I don't exist for my comfort. I don't exist for my convenience. I exist to be an ambassador of Christ in this world, bringing the message of reconciliation, helping people to be reconciled to God. The Bible says God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting our sins against us, and he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. And we exist on this coast to make as many Christ followers as possible. There you go. I mean, now you could say that. The purpose of this church is to make as many Christ followers on this coast as possible and to build their lives so they can make as many Christ followers as possible. Second Corinthians 4.16, we never we never give up. We'll never give up. And so, so when we ask you to give, you know, we ask you to give. I know we undersell giving, you know. We don't say, you know, you really need to give. It's not to make this place more comfortable, you know. It's not to make the chairs more cushy, you know. The only reason we put pads on the chairs is because I talk too long, you know. That's the only reason. And we try and say, look, you know, we kind of need some chairs, but that, that's it. But we're not going to get the nicest chairs possible. Why? Because we don't need them. And so when we ask you to give, it's not to make this place more comfortable. It's because the ministry of reconciliation is the most important purpose in the world. The most important purpose in the world is the, is the ministry of reconciliation. And so when we say give, give lots. Give lots to the ministry of reconciliation. If it's not here, then someplace in which people are being reconciled to God through Christ. Because it's your purpose in life. And when we ask you to serve, it's not just simply so we can have all the names filled out on the roster of people that are serving in these different ministries. It's because we have children that need to understand and experience the love of Christ so they can be reconciled to Christ when they're five years old so they don't have to go through all the junk they have to go through and find Christ at 25 or 35 because there is a long, hard world, hard world out there without Christ. So when we say serve there, of course it's going to take time. But it's your what in life? It's your purpose in life. It's our purpose in life. It's our only purpose in life. And when God said your purpose is done, guess what? He will say, come home now. You're done. We're done here. And so this is us. I mean, this is us. Here we are. We're, we're real people. Honest words, flaws, bunions, whatever we got. Because we're saved by grace and we can be honest about not being perfect and the false flaws and troubles. We have a real God, and I want you to experience God alive and living in your life. Real, where God's presence is felt and lived out. Real calling. Real calling. I want us to be fully committed to our purpose in life, to connect people to God through Christ. We good with that? We good with that together? Let's never give up on that. Worship team, would you guys come on up, and we're going to take a second and pray. you bow with me, please? please. Just uh, if the whole idea of being reconciled to God, if you've never done that before, never accepted God through Christ, through Jesus, maybe you feel like God still has your sins against you, that can be taken away simply by faith, an act of your faith saying, I believe that Jesus died for me, for me personally. 
for me and put your name in it. And he reconciled me to God. I believe in that. Maybe your prayer is, Jesus, I accept you now. I'll just simply use the word Savior as my Savior, the one who saves me from myself. Forgive me, love me, fill me with your love right now. Lord, I pray that we be able to be authentic and real with each other, bearing each other's burdens because we all got them, not have to hide anything. We'd be a people that love each other in spite of all our flaws. I pray, God, that we'd experience you daily, moment by moment, a real God and a real calling. We would be real in why we're here, focused on that. Lord Jesus, thank you for all you've done. Make this place everything you want it to be, please, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for being part of today. Start a whole new series as we get to kind of gear up for Thanksgiving and Christmas as it's coming. Um, if you have questions about your life in God or your walk with God, Go back and see the people in the Welcome Center. If you want somebody to pray for you, um, over there into the prayer room. Welcome you to do that. Hang out as much as you'd like. It's a beautiful day outside, so make sure you enjoy it. We're going to stand. We're going to finish with a uh, final song. God bless you guys. I love you. Um, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you.